0: to the very first episode of our brand new podcast Sam and Scott are watching Watchmen Welcome, welcome, my name is Scott Hey, my name is Sam And we're gonna be doing some watching of Watchmen right. So I wanted to say say a brief thank you to everybody who's listening right now Uh, Although it's only a half thank you because you still have to leave us a five star review
1: (laughs) Or you get the business
0: (laughs) You will get the business And I wanted to uh, do a brief introduction So who are we? We are a team a podcasting duo, a dynamic one. All right, uh, so I speak. like that. <laughs> I like it too. Mm-hmm. We're we're the Nerd Cyclopedia Transcontinental Podcast Corporation, which sounds like a big name, and I picked it that way on purpose. All right, uh, but we uh, do podcasts on here. Our main podcast, Nerd is a listing of uh, a discussion of nerd items done by letter of the alphabet. You can find that over on our other feed at Nerd Cyclopedia hmm Super awesome.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I guess the number one question our listeners probably have at this point is. Uh, why are we watching Watchmen? All right. <laughs> right? I mean, that's Great a question, question I got. Great question. That's a good question. And, uh, you know, for me, i got to say, it's just a couple reasons why I wanted to do this podcast. Number one, I'm just a lifelong fan of these comics. I love these stories. Um, you know, so that's something that for me is a big deal. And I'm a, I'm a Twitch streamer. I stream, um, you know, old video games. I play them for speed. It's called Speed Running. All if right. you never knew that was. I'm a big Pittsburgh uh, sports fan. And one reason I wanted to do this is because I love HBO so much. And they've just given us so much on our team, and I want to give back to HBO for free. That's what I want to do. (laughs) And also, as you might, you'll hear, I'm sure, during the course of the podcast, I have a couple dogs. They tend to be big and loud, so they bump in here. We
1: love them. They're part of the family
0: That's true. (laughs) (laughs) So, how about you, Sam? Uh, Who are you, and why are you watching Watchmen? All right, my
1: name is Sam. As I said in the beginning, and um, Watchmen is has been a very big influence as far as my comic book reading, you know, um, life. Um, Oh my goodness. um, Watchmen um, came out in the uh, mid-80s, and it really defined for me how um, I read comics come going from as, uh, as a kid to as a um, teenager. Because getting into, um, you know, being just a comic fan, period, eventually you had to grow up. You actually had to, um, you know, get more mature, and Watchmen was... A a good bridge into like the more mature um, ways of reading comic books, you know, Mm -hmm. instead of just like straight, simple tropey stories from like the 70s, 60s and everything. Watchmen really brought things into like the, um, you know, the the day and dates and everything, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, if you want to call that. Um, But that in the Dark Knight was really the 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 most the big influences as far as me, as far as comics and stuff. So um, I can't wait to actually dive into this, um, you know, these 12 issues um, and the world of the Watchmen and actually, you know, the 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 different Watchmen, um, you know, stuff that surrounds it as far as like this new show that's coming out, um, you know, um, in 2019, you know, this year. Sometime, sometime this year. We don't know when, but you, but, know. Eh, who knows, uh, you know, they I mean, they gave if I were
0: us. A, if I were a betting man, I'd bet sometime right around to the end of Game of Thrones. There if you I was go. a betting man.
1: Ooh, well, yeah. All right, yeah. But um, <laughs> but yeah. Um. I'm a, um also a sports fan as well, and, you know, and I love HBO too. <laughs> they, they they make some really good stuff, and they're really known for their good quality material from The Sopranos to Game of Thrones to, like, stuff like Sex and the City. You know, they're really
2: <laughs> – yes, there you go. And they're really
1: known for their good quality, you know, TV shows and always winning awards and, and is in the conversation year after year. Sunday nights is what you expect from HBO for good quality, you know, TV uh, – good. Quality Quality TV show so that's why I'm watching Watchmen
0: awesome awesome and I'm also watching it because Trent Reznor is doing the
1: score there you go oh man I, I, it's,
0: it's gonna be awesome that's just
1: gonna be crazy oh yeah and 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 uh now that you mentioned that Damon, Lindel- Lind- ah, Damon Lindelof is doing the um he's an actual showrunner one Whoa. of my favorite showrunners from Lost so you know, my um actually my favorite show of all time, you know, although you know it's the, the ending is divisive. I loved it. A lot of people hated it.
2: But this is
0: this is probably a good spot to interject. And mm-hmm. if we say something you don't like on our shows, we expect you to just reply to us with hashtag hate Sam, for instance, if you hate loss. <laughs> uh, if you don't like something I say, hashtag hate Scott. Those nope. are the rules. Those are the rules. We'll <laughs> we'll the rules
1: here. All right. So um yeah. Like I say, he's one of my um, favorite creators, showrunners, and everything. He did The Leftovers, which was another HBO show. Great show. Mm-hmm. Actually started off slow, but ended off as like a really good um, good top quality show. So, yeah, just looking forward to um, diving into this whole world and, you know, talking with my man Scott. And we're going to, um, you know, we're going to pound in and smash it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we are, we are going to be smashing it. That is, that is my number one thing. I love to smash. All so. right. So we're going to get things started here, and uh, before we jump into um, how we wanted to start off here, which is a brief primer for a kind of a recap, so to speak, and discussion of some of the themes of the original work, I wanted to say you can contact us at watchingwatchman at nerdcyclopedia.com, which is going to be our main feedback email address. So if you don't like something you hear, or you want to hear something, or you do like something that you hear, or you're bored... Send us some uh, some uh, feedback. We'd love to uh, love to hear from you.
1: Yeah, we definitely do. Also, uh, follow us and on on social media, Cyclopedia, on your different um, outlets and platforms: Twitter, um, Facebook um instagram we'll get a new instagram thing coming up Ooh. um <laughs> if, if, if you want to see our faces you know uh, <laughs> no, no, no. maybe you don't <laughs> i don't think they don't <laughs> um, we may be even coming out with a youtube channel i mean we're just everything is just up in the air guys so uh, we definitely want you to um to follow us and um um we will just 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 get your comments and feedbacks on what you think um about this
2: podcast
0: absolutely and that's the other that's the other half of the conversation we're looking forward to having i think is uh hearing from the fandom and yes. hearing from yes. the, the listenership and you know if there's something you want us to talk about you know let us know we're more than happy to you know diverge into something of your interest if you let us know
1: so. yeah we'll actually be starting a um, facebook group too um a watching um Watchmen facebook group you know mm-hmm. we'll be putting that together so just be on the lookout um you know as far as that as well
0: awesome all right so without further ado, yes. now that the housekeeping stuff is done, and who likes housekeeping?
2: Oh, sweet, sweet.
0: Yeah, so now that that's all done, we can start having fun. Yes, you know? sir. But for me, you know, we want to start having fun. And I know that, you know, the main point of this podcast is so that we can talk about the show. Um, but there's a lot of people that have, are going to watch the show that maybe aren't going to be as super familiar with the source material. Uh, so we wanted to do a brief primer introduction. We're going to talk about the comic itself first before we jump into the rest of the media. I hope that's okay with everybody. Uh Sam, is it okay with you?
1: No, I'm I'm mean, I'm fine with it. Let's start from the beginning, you
2: know. I mean
0: since you're watching Watchmen first <laughs> since it's Sam, then Scott
2: <laughs> are watching Watchmen. Yeah, in that order. I figure I'd
0: ask your permission you first. Okay. Am Permi- I allowed to watch it yet? Permission granted. <laughs> right. So all right, so there's a few so Watchmen is is a dystopian story and it's set in an alternate nineteen eighty five. That's the first thing to tell you. Uh, that was also contemporaneous when it's release. So it's not a period piece so much as it is a piece of the period, right? Right. Okay. So I know that's, that's a slim definition, but that's important. Um, I think the way it would seem different if you wrote this story about 1985 and 2019.
1: So. <laughs> Probably really, really different. So Yeah,
0: very different. <laughs> so so uh, it's 1985, and a few things that are important for this uh, to kind of tell you about a few things here. So number one, uh, superhero comics failed. They never really caught on. So Superman came out in 38. And they're not a thing in this universe. They have pirate comics, right. which uh, should make an appearance in the story. And the real lasting legacy of those sort of comic books are the Max Adventurers, which is uh, real life people who have no powers and who dress up and uh, solve crimes and <laughs> do other things as they like. Right.
1: Well, the big irony about that, you know, since superhero comics actually fail, it's, it's kind of ironic that real life. Not so much superheroes, but like you said, Max adventurers, you know, started um, coming on the scene. So if you want to look at it as sort of like a replacement for um, what the fantasy was, like in, in, in real life, you had, you know, superheroes was a thing in real life. So, I mean, that's mm-hmm. what it was. But after Superman came out, it was a plethora of like, you know, superheroes just all over. In this um, universe, you know, the superhero comics fail, but real life mass avengers people that actually had the balls to dress in masks and fight crime was a thing so mm-hmm. the fantasy i mean the fantasy wasn't there anymore
0: that's right so they got all the negative stuff that comes from you know all the stuff that we don't really think about when you look at golden age or silver era superhero stories like there's buildings getting crashed through you know what i mean like the scene in um from uh oh, man uh Dawn of Justice, Batman v Superman, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, it's a terrible movie. But
2: <laughs>
0: at the beginning when um, when Superman's having that fight, uh, you know, and he was destroying Gotham City, he's destroying Metropolis, right? Right. And the uh, Batman's sort of having to deal with it. Right. I think there's there's something to the idea that, that these actions would all have consequences and and there's a consequentialism to uh, Watchmen mm-hmm. and it takes like time and it takes, you know, effect and it really applies those sort of, you know, those sort of Uh, pressures right to to the golden era sort of archetype of a superhero and it makes it it Mm -hmm. turns it into something that's a lot more adult like you said right uh than what it was before so so that's that's our intro i also want to say this i like to think of every character in this other than one
2: Mm -hmm.
0: the superheroes anyways all batman they're all basically batman but a different kind of batman right well well, people by a different (laughs) person
1: people with flaws bad batman type tendencies
2: Yes, (laughs)
0: Yes, Batman's <laughs> <It's like tendencies. laughs> Oh my god. I would love to be a psychologist and be able to diagnose people with that. Oh, well, yeah. uh, well, Mortimer, uh, everything came back clean, but it says here you got a tendency to uh, uh, dress up in tights and punch criminals in the face. So we're going to put you on a script of uh, going to put you on a script of kryptonite. And, uh, we'll see how that goes.
1: Oh man! <laughs> I'm not saying
0: you're Batman yet. Now listen, nobody's accusing you of being Batman, but we've checked, and it seems that there are some things about your background that make us think you could eventually develop into a Batman.
1: Telltale so gonna, signs. Telltale signs of Batmanism. What your parents Batman-ism. in front of
0: you.
1: <laughs> Batmanism.
0: Number one oh man all right are you very very rich mm. number
2: two <laughs> are your
0: parents dead number three <laughs> were they murdered by a person that could later be retconned into the joke well, <laughs> the very, very <laughs> all you right. don't have to retcon it but you can't that's the important thing all right uh all right so without further ado let's jump mm-hmm. into the first issue okay. of watchmen the limited series by alan moore and david gibbons all right all
2: right so
0: how do we start out sam where do, you, where do we start
1: well, first off, I mean, we have a lot of blood on the screen. Well, actually, uh-huh. you know what? We, we have blood on the streets <laughs> <laughs> with a smiley face. So let's, let's just analyze that for a second. Um, we, are, are, we don't actually know that this is blood, but, you know, something. It's you got good. a smiley face on the, on the streets and um, a guy is just, you know, um, trying to wash off the blood off the sidewalk. And we have a guy saying the end is nigh. Um, all in the same <laughs> pretty much scene <laughs> the end so, so smiley face with something that looks like um, you know something on the smiley face eyes um, blood on the um, sidewalk um, a guy uh, spraying the sidewalks and a guy in red a red headed guy um, walking around uh, walking over the blood the end is nine come on
0: now. <laughs> and I also want to point this out about this first page and then I mean this will be a long recap if we keep doing this. But the guy that's spraying off the blood, he flips off the dude with the sign after he walks through the blood. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that on panel four there. He's flipping him off. You know, oh, man. He's like, hey, yeah. What are yeah. you doing? He's flipping him off. Walking walk right through me. and Instead of walking right
1: around it, you know, he just walks right through it. You know, you're Come in my on, way. Right, exactly. He's spraying him. <laughs> <it. laughs> oh, man. But, um, All right. Yeah, so we get introduced to, like, you know, the um, the nine-panel, um, nine-frame structure. We should, this page is actually, like, you know, um, seven panels. But it tells us how this, this story is actually going to be framed. So um, that's pretty interesting. Um, in a lot of other comics, this is sort of like the way, uh, actually back in, like, the 80s, and pretty much just back then, period, um, comics were structured, just tightly structured in, in different frames um the nine this nine panel frame i mean sorry the structure is pretty much the way that's just going to be the story's just going to be told throughout like the whole graphic novel
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and i think there's a lot to you know that structure is something to pay attention to as far as how how it's used and how it's used throughout the book because there's some some characters are presented a lot more in the, the three by three frame and some are presented in more like splashy you know, less with less boundaries, so to speak.
2: Right, right. So
0: that's, some, that's something to pay attention to is the way is the method, right? Right. And that that's something that's something that is borrowed from these sort of superhero tales that mm-hmm. you know Watchmen's sort of like the last chapter in a Golden Age super superhero story that starts with you know. That's
2: a great way the, to put it.
0: Mm-hmm. The the the, uh, the murderer at the chemical plant, Ace Chemicals, or whatever you know you want to call it. Mm-hmm. So so what's happened here? That blood is from is from a guy named Eddie Blake. And Eddie Blake is a guy who is noted as being built like a pro wrestler in his 50s. So he's enormous. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: He's basically like a, like Schwarzenegger 20 years ago, right? Like they made T3 and someone like threw Schwarzenegger out of a, <laughs> out of a building. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not a little thing, right? What they're saying is this is a crazy thing. And they're mm-hmm. talking to each other about like how to get out the window. They're like right. he must have been running at full speed. So they think that it's a, you know, but there's other damage indicating there was a fight. So these cops who are talking to each other about, you know, what do you think happened? Right, they're 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 kind of piecing some of it together, right, right, a little bit of it, and you're seeing it in, um, in sort of, uh, they kind of show you this in sort of like interjecting frames, right. Yeah. The,
1: yeah, the way in the movie, like, you know, you're cutting to this you know, as the story is is as the characters speaking, the two cops are investigating, they're like cutting to, you know, the um what is what they think actually happened and it's actually going into the um, you know, the guy kicking the door down and the guy punching Eddie and it's just going back and forth between what they believe actually happened. Now whether it actually mm-hmm. happened this way, we don't know. But this is what they um Nine times out, well, eight times out of ten, maybe it did happen that way, but this is what they're, um, you know, deducing it to be. Mm hmm,
2: mm hmm, mm
0: hmm. So they they basically figure, oh, well, who's this guy? No one really knows. Who knows? Maybe it was a bunch of gang guys came in here and beat him up and threw him out the window, right? A bunch of quote unquote not tops or KT28s or lewds. The name of the gangs. (laughs) (laughs) And so they leave and they say, you know, who cares about Rorschach? He's still active. And then, uh, you know, uh, Rorschach, they say Rorschach's crazy, and they walk by the dude with the end is nigh sign, like the redhead guy. So next page, Rorschach's investigation starts, right? Right. So Rorschach, uh, Rorschach shows up, and he finds the button with a little blood on it. And then the way they tell this story here, what do you, I know we talked about how you like this, right? How this is like one of your favorite things.
1: Right, right. Just to cut back a little bit too, keep an eye oh, on yeah. that in this nigh guy. So, you know, oh, this yeah. is the second time he'd appeared <laughs> within just the, um, you know, within the scene period and everything. So let's keep an eye on that guy. All right, go what ahead. What an
0: interesting piece of background. Uh, yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Foreshadowing, right. foreshadowing, foreshadowing, foreshadowing. So next. <laughs> so next so rorschach shows up and he's got a gas-powered grappling gun
2: mm-hmm.
0: so he climbs his way up into blake's apartment and rorschach is an is an interesting looking dude right he's got a trench coat and a scarf and pinstriped long you know vertical pinstripe like suit pants Man, Yeah. <laughs> he wears. but his number one thing and this is this is the neatest thing about him his number one thing is a mask and the mask uh, changes shape, like his face changes shape, like a, like a Rorschach test is where he gets his name. Mm-hmm. So it's like an inkblot test, and it changes, and, and they manipulate it in, in, the, in the, the book. They manipulate it. They kind of make it change his facial expression. So it's almost like the mask is sort of reacting to things, right? Right. Super
2: interesting. Uh,
1: yeah, I was um, telling Scott that I love the way that, you know, that this um, nine-panel structure actually tells especially in this scene with no dialogue with <coughs> excuse me Rorschach going into like the apartment it's just amazing how he uses that grappling hook to climb I mean to go all the way up that building I don't know if anyone on the street notices <laughs> it must be way past midnight or whatever because he's going right up this building into the um um into the uh, apartment and, you know, is, you know, beginning his investigation. So, you know, the police done, done their investigation. Now it's time for Rorschach to do his. Um, there's no dialogue, but you could tell exactly everything that's going on in the scene. And um, at midnight, all the agents. <laughs> is yep. the, that's the way the um. that's what the title of the story is. So, you know, he goes through different things Um, as far as like looking through drawers and looking in the bedroom. And then finally he comes upon a, um a closet. Mm -hmm. and you know he's pushing around and he's just trying to find okay well what's going on with this closet and um one of the things i was telling you know saying is that it's just it's it's funny how he's grunting you know making noises and it's really a telling sign as to okay he's discovered he's happened upon something so he brings this gets his hanger and Mm -hmm. finally you know finds a way into the um um, the uh, uh, find the false door, you know, to the closet. Right. Pushes a button, and here we go. We find comedian's arsenal, you know, his his <laughs> his, his, his his costume.
0: <laughs> that thing on the Batcave that goes and comes up when you hit the button. Oh, yeah, that's what shows up. <laughs> it's that? So it's got his his uh his outfit and his mask, and you can see all his weaponry and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rorschach also finds a picture in there, uh, a black and white sepia tone picture. Of you know superheroes from the old days, these would be golden era superheroes. Nineteen thirty nine was about you know forty six years before the setting, so almost fifty years before the setting of this story. Right. Um. But it's it's I think it's it's implied that one of these pictured characters is Eddie Blake. Like this is what Eddie was really up to, right? Right. And that uh, you know that that's kind of that's kind of what that is. So, but it's all told in silent panels, and and he does a few things that are super duper interesting as far as. Like we said with the hanger, right? Mm-hmm. So he uses the hanger to measure how big, how like deep the closet is from the outside right. and the inside, and can tell that it's there's a space back there, right? A right, hidden space, right. So that's super duper new. I just think that's so cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really is just the way Alan Moore and well, especially Dave Gibbons, the way they interpreted at the whole scene and everything. And then mm-hmm. towards the end of that, yeah. um, as they're looking at the Sukasum heroes, the Mass Avengerers, <laughs> uh, that right. um, that's, um, has Eddie, Eddie Blake pictured, um, he lays everything out on the floor and, you know, is thinking, hmm, you know, it's, it's, it's nothing more, you really don't have an idea what he's thinking, or, I'm sorry, exactly wordage of what he's thinking, but and, and we're not being handheld as to, well, what's going on here in this scene? You know, it really leads it up to the... Um, um, the reader to just interpret. Um, okay, well, he's just trying to find out what's going on. He doesn't know exactly what's going on yet, but he's laying out all the evidence.
0: Mm-hmm. He's getting a whole picture. Yes. You know, he's not. He's looking at things like so. The, the cops, like if, if you look at how they're drawn, they're 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 sort of looking at things from a uh, you know from like a tabletop position, right, straight ahead. Uh huh. And if you look at Rorschach, Rorschach's getting the information together and getting it all together and looking at the whole picture and thinking why, right? Yeah. Yep. So, so or how? Also, that's the other thing. Is like you know, it would be something if, if like, if someone got murdered in a brutal beating, and you found out they were like a bad man. You know what I mean? Like, like right. Well, this this guy got murdered, and he's Batman. All of a sudden, you know, like, well, wait a minute. I've watched Batman do some crazy stuff. <laughs> like Batman is not going to be an easy kill. You know.
1: Right, and whoever did this, uh, and we don't know yet, but whoever did this, it really is, um, it's really got some, you know, some some big ball. <laughs> i mean come on to take out batman
0: (laughs) i mean this is big game hunting right (laughs) to go after not just and not just a batman by the way because we'll find out you know some of this is going to be things we'll discover through the course of the story but a batman who did not did not pull a lot of punches (laughs) he wasn't a nice batman not at
1: all not (laughs) not
0: not your friendly neighborhood batman
1: (laughs) not your friendly Uh, neighborhood batman
2: huh (laughs) so
0: so the scene transitions here and it uses the picture Mm-hmm. The picture of the old-timey superheroes to transition And it transitions over to Night Owl 1 Having beers with Night Owl 2 And these are Hollis Mason Who is a, uh, a Golden Era superhero And Dan Driver Who is like a Silver Era superhero right? And um, they're having beers and talking about Stuff like, you know, Hollis Telling him stories about, uh, you know The Screaming Skull And, <laughs> and all these guys they, they basically get together and trade, uh, trade old stories About when they were both The, the Night Owl, N-I-T-E and they were uh, Night Owl 1 and 2. Right. And, and, and some of the differences, and this is sort of an uh, like a meta a meta take on these things, some of the differences between Night Owl 1 and 2. Night Owl 1's a kinetic hero. He's punching and kicking and finding and looking and doing those things. He's a very, uh, you know, uh, verb. He's right. He's a verb, so to speak. And Dryberg is more of like a gadgets and tech and, you know what I mean? Right. Sort of things like that.
1: He right. was he, he's he's what you would call the Batman of today as far as the gadget is concerned. So right. that was that was his thing. You know. He see so the the two night owls are sort of like the um the split the split of what Batman is. Batman is a gadget and a kickbutt, you know, yep. whereas these two, they're um pretty much um, you know, just different takes on the same um this uh different versions on the same, you know, night owl.
0: Right, right. So it's yeah. So it's like different you know, approaches. Hol- okay, <laughs> go ahead. Hol- Hollis is a puncher, mm-hmm. and Dan has the like the owl computer. Is the way to think.
1: it. Right, right. Uh, to two different approaches to crime fighting.
0: Yes, and so <laughs> so they basically talk and they say, "Oh man, ever since '77, things have really you know slowed down because that's when the Keen Act was passed. More to come on the Keen Act, mm-hmm. and uh, that's I guess when these younger heroes got retired. So there's this sort of this." Um, one thing about Watchmen that's interesting is it's a generational story.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: there's this, this idea that there were, like, there was a first generation of these Max Adventurers and a second. Right. And you're finding out that, you know, the second generation of heroes were retired, not by choice. Right. <laughs> they were not, they, they were right, told right. to stop. They were told to stop, yes. They were told to stop. So, so Dryberg goes home, and guess who's waiting for him, sitting in his uh, kitchen eating a bunch of beans?
1: I'm um, old bean juice guy. <laughs> Rorschach. <laughs> Rorschach. He's, already, he's always there when you don't need him to be.
0: <laughs> Whenever you need a cop, he's around. Rorschach's oh, around. man, never, yeah. Mm-hmm. You do, just jumping in your house, stealing your sugar cubes and your beans.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and to back up a little bit, Um, we get, um, throughout these scenes with, um, Night Owl and, you know, both Night Owls and everything, younger and older, we get little, um, things in, in the panels just to, to, to foreshadow and, um, tell about different things. It's just really crazy and just interesting how Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons just, um, put Easter eggs, if you want to call them Easter eggs, um, but just put things in the story that just, uh, that that resonate throughout, like, the whole story. Like, in the one panel, um, you know, you get him um, leaving um, the first night owl's apartment, and it's a who watches the Watchmen, you know, um, um, graffiti on the side of the um, wall. That'll be something Mm -hmm. um, to foreshadow later. Um, And then in the... um, and uh, um, uh, a couple panels after that on the next page, you got like uh, um, some gang members who are like, you know, um, will be able to be foreshadowed later. And then as Scott said, we see um, <laughs> we see Dan meet uh, Rorschach right in his house. How do he break into his house uh, or, or to his home? Um, he's there eating some um, beans,
0: <laughs> beans. <laughs> he's like, you want to hey, uh, Rorschach, you want me to heat those up? And he's like, no, I don't want <laughs> you to heat these beans up. He is He is decadent. <laughs>
1: Sorry. Christian Bell sounding Rorschach.
0: <laughs> I can only do one impression. I don't know what you want from me. So, so Dryberg says, Is that bean juice on that button? And he's like, It's human bean juice.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: oh, man. Oh,
0: man. So, so Rorschach says, You know, hey, I'm warning you because the comedian got killed by someone who could be hunting masks. Like, we're all in this, this fraternity, kind of, mm-hmm. is the way they think of it. And, mm-hmm. and Dryberg says, You know, uh, you know whatever happened to us whatever happened to those great times and Rorschach tells him you quit <laughs> <Please." laughs> leaves him sitting there with his uh, night owl costume sort of you know hanging there
1: yeah I mean Rorschach is pretty much going through his place just um he he's doing his own investigations as you know he's he, but but he wants to also warn um Dan about you know what he thinks is happening so you know right. he goes into like the, you know the basement and um you know the um where, where the his all his gat all dan's um, um gadgets are and everything and it, they're basically just talking about like you know old times and what's going on and everything and um rorschach is just basically multitasking he's filling him out but at the mm-hmm. same time he knows dan is just a you know goody good you know so he has no reason to um you know be a um suspect in the comedian's murder but yep. he's um he's basically just just filling him out and and telling him about and warning him about um oh you better basically just watch yourself.
0: Yep. Yep. He's uh he's the warning, the signal warning is what he's trying to do here. So he so Rorschach, and then and the next day sort of he says oh the comedian's dead and Rorschach is sort of concerned that this is someone going after old Mass. Either to settle to, to silence him or settle an old dead or something right. like that. So he goes to a essentially a villains
2: bar. That's <laughs> what I guess when there's all the villains <laughs>
1: hanging out in this one place. Oh man, that's just something that you may see on like Super Friends or, you know, some old cartoons <laughs> where all the villains are. It just happens to be all the villains and bad guys are hanging out in one spot. How does that happen?
0: And then the dude that owns the place where all the villains and bad guys are is like, Rorschach, what are you doing here?" Like, he <laughs> And announcer, he got his own announcer, <laughs> right? Rorschach, huh, huh, huh,
2: hey,
0: don't kill anybody. Like he actually says that to him. Please don't kill anybody. Oh
1: man, that is funny. It's
0: a tough bar. Mm-hmm. And then so so Rorschach messes a dude up. It's, it's disrespectful. Like breaks his fingers and says, "Anybody else? Anybody know anything?" He keeps breaking fingers. <laughs> but he's like, "Nope, didn't know anything." All right, see ya. And he like walks out of this bar. <laughs> And you kind of get an idea why people aren't super happy about Rorschach, right? Like right. his methods are
2: right, right.
0: Fairly direct.
1: Yeah, he was with the um the the first batch of costume Avengers, and then he you know lasted. He didn't get forced out <laughs> like the yeah, other they couldn't ones. Shut him down. You know they couldn't shut Rorschach down, so he's still out there doing the fighting the good fight. You know, um, going into like the, you know the dark, dirty holes, and you know making things happen. You know, <laughs> he, yeah, he's a true man of action.
0: <laughs> That's what he is dark dirty places just beating people up so that's why he got into the business
1: so he has his batmanism
0: you know so rorschach's an interesting case because you know there's this there's this whole question of why did you start doing this and rorschach's why is so different (laughs) than everybody else's right he's here he's here to punish people he's here He's here to show you what you were wrong and make you understand that you were very wrong. Right. Very, right.
1: Sorry. I mean, he's basically he sees the world in, in just two ways um black and white. There's no gray. Hence his mm-hmm. whole mask. So that's
0: <laughs> a, a whole thing.
1: <laughs> that's the whole thing. And the mask it just, it just change. It's, it's funny how the mask um, changes in different panels, um, because that really if you want to just look at it a little bit, that really is the gray because things do change, although you never see the mask um uh, colors change into gray it's still black and white you know Mm -hmm. but because Mm -hmm. it's changing you know things do change rorschach so it's it's just ironic how you um you see things in in two different um in two different ways but you know things just always change
0: yep so the right so the right thing is not always the right thing
2: right exactly
0: but there always is a right thing
2: <laughs> there's no no need to compromise
0: no compromise
1: and <laughs> never compromise, no not, compromise. E- not even in the face of Armageddon.
0: never not even then <laughs> so so that's Roshak. so Roshak is also going to warn uh adrian veet and veet is the real name of a costumed adventurer from the 60s and 70s named ozymandias all right and ozymandias is shtick is that he's the smartest man in the world that's his whole thing that's what right. he says he is, uh, and he is a very rich man. He's parlayed his sort of uh, intelligence into business success. He has, uh, he has uh, sort of. I don't know, licensed himself and the other guys in the crime busters. <laughs> and so they have like, like toys and dolls. And so that, like that superhero media is starting to show up and it's because of Veet, right? Yeah. Adrian Veet started to push that forward.
1: Yeah. You definitely capitalize on the whole, the whole genre, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's the only one. No one's in on it. So, right. you know, all that, all that, all that comic book money from the seventies is just simply <laughs> different. I mean, it's funny now that they're, you know, these things are billion dollar properties. It's it's, funny, but yeah, exactly. uh, So, so in the (laughs) seventies, so, so he's
1: the, he's the, he's, he's a, he's an element of Batman, you know, if we want to call it that, you know, he's the rich, you know, um, while Batman and Bruce Wayne didn't, you know, profit, (laughs) Batman didn't make his own toys and everything, but he's sort of like the, um, you know, the, 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 the tycoon, you know, the, um, you know, vet is on everything as, as far as Wayne, you know, yep. Wayne stuff, Wayne Tech is on everything. You know, this is the the, the element of Batman that's in this particular character, Ozymandias, um, Mandias.
0: The playboy, <clears throat> the millionaire playboy. Exactly. So it's separated. It's also that other angle of Batman. Right. But. And the world knows
1: who he is.
0: <laughs> they do. He, he unmasked himself before the Keenak. And he came out, and he says, "I don't know. Maybe it was the Soviets." <laughs> Shaxx like, "Who do you think killed him?" He's like, "I don't know. The Soviets. Who knows? He was a Nazi." So he says <laughs> about, "He's like the comedian sucked. Like, who cares?" And, and and one thing about the Keen Act, why did that come about again? The Keen Act came about because the police went on strike because, <laughs> like, because the vigilantes wouldn't let them do their jobs, so the policemen went on strike, and then the vigilantes were the like there were just riots and riots and riots, and then the Keen Act outlawed him, in uh, 1977. All right. So eight eight years before this. That's how long. That's how long. Everybody except for Rorschach was active.
1: So this is what happens when real life consequences gets into, um, you know, mixing fantasy and everything. So as we discussed earlier, superhero comics failed. So yeah. it just brought about mask adventures in this particular universe. They they were actually committing really acts of crime. They were vigilantes during, you know putting their own sense of justice without, um, you know, consulting like, you know, the police and just just putting their own brands of justice um, in an in a, in effect. And it eventually just got out of hand to where the government had to intervene and hence the Act.
0: Well, think about this, too. I mean, mm-hmm. if let's say let's say I, I get a a confession out of someone, right? Right. And in order to do that, I had to beat the living, sh- you know, I had to beat <laughs> them up real good. You know what I mean? Right. I had to mess them up, broke their leg or something, uh-huh. dumped them off at the police station with the recording of it. That's none of that's admissible.
2: <laughs> right.
0: That's torture. You can't, it's right. like it violates like the Fourth Amendment or whatever. Like you can't do that. so Right. You know, uh so that's the other thing is there's these procedural things. So these guys are probably getting away. And so, in order to solve the problem, <laughs> you have to start doing the Rorschach method, which, as we find out, is just killing people.
2: Yeah, and pretty much.
0: And that, see, that's a big change when they start just, just 86ing guys, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. It's a lot
0: different from how it was before when you turn them into police and you still have the state have the power the authority of, of the final prosecution and determination. But when you start pulling that out, you know, <laughs> that's... Uh, Things, that's totally
1: different. Things, things are just going too far. So you had to find a way to regulate it. So well, the government had to just um, create the Keen Act to keep things in line and pretty much just force them out of the, uh, adventuring, as they call it.
0: <laughs> yes, get them back into line. So, so now... Except Rorschach, for Rorschach. Except for Rorschach, <laughs> who can't be brought into line because they can't, they can't figure out who he is or what he's doing or catch him or anything like that. It's just careful. Uh, so now uh, we're going to do something different. So this is something that's different. It's designed to feel different. When he does what's about to happen, he goes to warn Dr. Manhattan <laughs> against the masculine, right? Because Dr. Manhattan's girlfriend is Silk, Silk Spectre 2. And Silk Spectre 2 is the, um, is, uh, you know, uh, she's the daughter of Silk Spectre 1.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Silk Spectre 1 is, the, uh, is in the picture that we've seen before of the old timey. Yeah. Um, Avengers. Although you can't really see her. She's kind of obscured, which I'm guessing is on purpose. So she's in that picture. Right. And Silk Spectre too is sort of was chained by her mother and sort of pushed into mass mm-hmm. adventurism. It's like the family business for her. She does not care for it.
1: <laughs> did, did we state that they were called the Minutemen? Or?
0: We didn't talk about if they were the yeah, Minutemen the, or the the, the or Yeah,
1: the, the, um, the people in the, um, the costume Avengers first batch were called the Minutemen, who, um, comedian, and like Scott was alluding to, Sp- uh, the first Sil Specter was, um, was a part of.
0: Yes, Night Owl 1. So everybody that was active, this is essentially the Justice Society of America, right? The D.C. Justice yes. Society of America. Mm-hmm. It's sort of its own thing. Um, active during World War Two. You know they had like a clubhouse and stuff and parties. Anyway, it was so <laughs> where they like were are chill. So, uh, so that and that's who, who Laurie is. Uh, and and she her boyfriend is Doctor Manhattan. Now Doctor Manhattan is is different from everybody else because he's not a masked adventurer. He actually has superpowers. Um, so he's not relying on like intelligence or super speed or something like that. He just has the complete. He's basically God. I mean, he can control he's, all matter. He's and actually
1: Superman. Yeah. you know this is the this world Superman if you want to think about someone who can do anything and you know um just just the all-powerful and like Scott said you know he's basically looked upon as like a god in it. but he's an uh, uh, American god <laughs> Yep he's he's America's guy you know and and that'll be something that's all, all also um, um um emphasized also in this story
0: yes so just and just to kind of show you just to talk a little bit about about who Dr. Manhattan is, just because we're going to get into more detail. There's like a whole issue about him, so I'm going to save a lot of the details for that. But just to kind of recap some of the stuff he does, just during this little, like, four like four page little visit from Rorschach, who, uh, mm-hmm. Lori, uh, she, uh, Miss Jupiter hates Rorschach. She detests this guy, <laughs> you know, hates him, <laughs> hates him. Like, why are you here? What are you doing?
1: Oh, God, oh, R- R- Rorschach is so condescending to towards her, and you know, um, you know, she, and she hates that. You know, she's always hated that. You know, yeah. R- R- Rorschach tends to be a really judgmental when it bec- when it comes to you know the ways of the world and you know how it's changed and everything. And you know, he and as we have talked about, he sees the world in um just a black and white. So mm-hmm. if you're, if you, if you, are um, if you have moral lapses, you know, then you're moral bad. Lapses. Moral lapses. <laughs> then pretty much you're bad. You know, it's, it's either you're bad or you're good. There's no in between. So not, not to Rorschach at least. And Rorschach, the whole argument with them is that there has to be some sort of, you know, you can't just go around just judging po- folks, which is, um, pretty much uh, Rorschach's, um, shit um you mm-hmm. know um thing between he them passes two. judgment he passes he's judgment is, yes. he is judgment
0: that's rorschach's whole, whole <laughs> deal right he shows up and he's the final say on what happens next right that's his whole his whole thing yeah
1: he um, made he he makes this comment like you know rape is a um
0: <laughs> a moral lapse he says i don't want to talk about the moral lapses of men who died in service to their country <laughs> it's like <laughs> rape is a moral lapse like come on, <laughs> my goodness yeah so, so Dr. Manhattan says, all right, you're making my girlfriend mad. you got to go. And Rorschach says, I spent a lot of time getting in here. <laughs> I'm not leaving before I've had my say. And Dr. Manhattan teleports him outside right before he finishes the sentence. Yeah. Just to the He's other pretty, side of the he, fence.
1: That, that's your say, bye-bye. I...
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. So he teleports him out. So Dr. Manhattan teleports him out. We see super strength, telekinesis. He makes himself, you know, 50 feet tall and then, you know, regular size. And he um,
1: all uh, all all about being start naked too, you know. He's oh just, yeah,
0: totally naked, <laughs> totally naked. Doesn't Doesn't even bother where it uh, doc, was. Doctor Manhattan
1: is a free man, you know.
0: Yeah, he doesn't. He will not be constrained by boxers or briefs. Not <laughs> do this to him. He's an adult man with his own visible yeah. blue genitalia. So,
1: <laughs> and, and like Scott said, okay, you know, he just teleports him out, and all, um, all. Um, Roy Sheck has to say it's term. you know. That's that's one little thing that I found like, funny he, throughout this whole thing. Does he get thing. back? Does he get angry?
0: Does he say, "I'll get that Doctor Manhattan"? <laughs> nope. He just goes, "All right, see ya." <laughs> he just walks off. Right. Oh man.
2: So
1: um yeah, we continue um Laurie and um Doctor Manhattan just continue just you know talking and everything and um you know uh the Laurie's trying to really communicate with um Doctor Manhattan and we find out that. Dr. Manhattan is really so far gone as far as his whole humanity. Um, and that's one thing that we'll, we'll talk about later, too. You know, Dr. Manhattan was once a human, you know, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, he's lost his um, he's beginning to lose his humanity if he hasn't already lost it. And Laurie can't really communicate with him and make him feel in a way to where um, she can get some real empathy, you know, empathy with him. So she just begins to um, reach out to Dan. <laughs> yep. they, they start talking about Dan, you know, as far as like, the um, remember when we did this, remember when we did that. And she decides to reach out to him. And, and probably in not her own um, way of thinking, she pretty much is reaching out to another human. Because this person that she knew was, um, that she was infatuated with um, to begin with is not the same person that she, she um, fell in love with. So she's basically just reaching out. She wants um she wants uh, she wants to actually touch somebody, you know.
0: <laughs> She's made he's made it very clear that he's a lot more interested in finding the Gluino than talking to her.
2: Mm-hmm. Like he's
0: like, you go to dinner with Dan, I don't want to go see Dan.
2: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> Which is definitely not something any couple ever has had a conversation like that. Exactly. Okay, so <laughs> so uh next she goes to Raphael's with Dan and um with Dan and they have a, a nice dinner and there's a there's a a frame here um in the middle of page twenty five, issue page twenty five where you can see two old guys kind of holding hands and cuddling in the foreground. Yeah, that's something we'll call back to
2: later. Those guys are kind of important. And
1: that's that's what we keep talking about. Easter Egg's planted throughout, just um, callbacks and um, foreshadowing and things... The, the thing about this, this graphic novel is that you have to pay attention. Um, And if you don't really pay attention the first time, you have an opportunity to, to keep reading and going back and just finding things, finding things that are really essential to the story. And you're just like, ah, man, this is this is tightly, tightly put. Um, Alan Moore at one one at one point said this film, this 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 graphic novel um is not filmable. It can never be put on a screen. So. Um, the way he structured it, the way him and Dave given structured it is not, is not to be put on a screen. You know, we'll find that, you know, a lot of people ignore that, but just admiring how this is put together and how you just have to pay attention um, to the story because it tells stories within stories.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's a, it's, it's this like, it's very complicated. It's a complex narrative. Yeah. And then, Oh yeah. Dan and Laura, they, they're talking about, uh, they're sitting here talking about Rorschach, and they're like, whatever happened to that guy who kept going over and being like, uh, you know, he kept being like, hey, you know, I'm stealing from this. you got to stop me, right? He's like uh, Captain Carnage, right? Uh, yeah. He says, whatever happened to that guy? And it's like, oh, he tried to, He tried that stuff with Rorschach, and Rorschach threw him down an elevator shaft. <laughs> and they all laugh about it. <laughs> they have a good laugh. It's like.
1: And then the, um, the, the, the first chapter, ends, and, first chapter um, ends, the, the, the comedian is dead. You know, everybody gets a good laugh at that, um, with that Rorschach comment, you know, the both of them, but the comedian is dead. So yep. that's the way we ended. That's the way, that's a hell of a way to end that, um, first, first issue. You know, yep. um, you talk about like the good old times and you laugh about like the, um, you know, the adventures that, um, and this, and, and as I was telling, uh, as I was saying before, this is when Lori and Dan are really, she's really connecting. She, she's, she's been feeling a certain way for so long, you know, being um, cooped up with Dr. Manhattan and not really getting any human contact. So finally she's with, a, um, a, you know, a guy she can actually relate to, you know, yep. and they talk about the good old days and the good old times and stuff. Whatever happened to those, you know, well um what do you expect a comedian is dead it's nothing. it's nothing it's nothing to really laugh at anymore <laughs> you right. know so and um the the end quote of the um first chapter is at midnight all the agents and super and um, all at midnight all the agents and superhuman crew go out and round up everyone who knows more than they do a quote from bob, a bob dylan song yep
0: Whew, man yep
1: some some deepness going on here guys and some stuff to be told you know as we end this first chapter here
0: indeed indeed and then we hear about hollis mason's under the hood part one which is all about his origin and how he became uh night owl and he and, starts saying uh he tells this story about his dad's his dad worked in a mechanic for mechanic and he tells a story about how the head mechanic in this guy's office was had carnal knowledge of his wife beatrice and he. like <laughs> And he killed himself with this, uh, you know, started a car engine and ran a hose to the cab, right? And mm-hmm. he says that's the saddest thing he could think of. And that story tells you a lot about Hollis Mason or Night Owl 1. Right. You know, Holl- Hollis is a hero primarily because he doesn't want bad things to happen.
2: Right. So
1: he's, he's, he's a C, he, has, right? he has a, Yeah, he he's, has a heart of goodness. So, you know, he mm-hmm. just doesn't want things to happen and, you know, will risk his life to do that. You know, a hero.
0: Yes. And he becomes a policeman. And then Hooded Justice shows up first, so he doesn't even try to claim that he'd be the first one. So Hooded Justice shows up in fall of nineteen thirty-eight, and then Hollis decides, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get ready and I'm gonna become, you know, I'm gonna become Night Owl. Right. Start punching people in the head because I <laughs> kept. He got named Night Owl because he stopped uh, going to, uh, he wouldn't ever go out for drinks with his buddies. At, right. Because uh, he had to go home and be Night Owl.
2: <laughs> 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 He's busy
1: yeah so I mean and that in 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 the the real with this universe being you know uh, is this, i guess a substitute for real life and everything this is a decision that he makes <clears throat> whereas what came before um Watchmen, you just had um a lot of tropes you know you didn't really um deal with like a lot of consequences and a lot of the really little idiosyncrasies that happen when a um you know a person put on that mask, you know going out for drinks, you know. Um, well, I want to actually go out and be a hero, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) something like that wasn't talked about, you know, with a Batman or a Superman or, um, even a Spider-Man, you know, for that instance, well, Spider-Man, you know, Stan and Steve, they, they really gotten into like a lot of the good stuff as far as like, you know, humanizing, but for the DC characters, you really didn't have that, you know, they were, they, they were dealing with a lot of, um, you know, space stuff and, you know, just craziness that you really wasn't so much down to earth. Watchmen just throw all that out the window. Okay, if a hero decides he wants to go, um and um and um play hero, he had to sacrifice some things. Sacrifice being like a, a good friend, you know, a good husband, you know, um just actual person to actually go out and really sacrifice himself for the good of, you know, the city, which is what um this first night auto did.
0: Yep. I agree. He's like Batman from. Uh, <clears throat> he's like the archetypal Batman. He's Batman yeah. from Batman the animated series. That's his motivation.
1: Yeah, I mean another sense of Batmanism.
0: <laughs> Why are they all Batman?
1: <laughs> These are all various takes on what a Batman could have been. You know, that's just yeah. crazy. Um, one thing I did want to say: um, this the the end it, the the book first book ends um, with that, uh, but the way. Um, that they do these little extra, um, you know, extensions in the chapters, they present Under the Hood as actual book. This is a book that um, the Hollis Mason had written about his costume adventuring. And it actually would have been pretty nice to have actually a real book, you know, regarding this. But, you know, but it's inner, um, the, the graphic novel is interspersed with, well, at least his first part is interspersed with um, excerpts from that um, actual book that he wrote. So Mm -hmm. the, the way that, um, the way that I heard it was, um, Alan Moore only had, um, and Dave Gibbons only had enough material for like six issues and they decided, um, but DC wanted like 12 issues. They wanted like Mm -hmm. a, um, a bigger, a bigger story. So they had to find out a way to, um, delve in a little bit more to what was going on inside the book. So they decided to come up with these different, um, different excerpts like throughout like the whole the whole twelve issues, and to fill more pages. So they came up with the uh, okay, you know, Alice Mason wrote a book, so we're going to actually put the book in the book. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty decent,
0: and it flushes out so many of the details, you know. Yes, and, li- and like I said, this is a generational story, so it's it's important to understand that you know uh, the effect of uh of these mass vigilantes is being felt you know in a large way throughout the whole world and sort of america's comfortability and reliance on dr manhattan is in many ways sort of an outcropping of this uh, peculiarity in their timeline where they have these mass adventurers instead of stories about them
2: right right
0: so they were like sort of bred to trust these super beings
1: and as a um and as far as this under the hood I mean it's a really good way for him to tell the story from his perspective. Everybody has a perspective in this story. So from Hollis Mason's perspective in this book, we get his interpretation of what he thought um, he, you know, he was getting into meeting Hooded Justice and um did he did we did he talk about Sil Spectre in this um in this um, first chapter? Because uh, this happened way back in the um
0: in I think the, he mentions it. I think he maybe okay. mentions that she okay. shows up and it's weird.
1: Yeah. Um, I think he talked about his father and everything too. Uh it, yeah, basically, um it, it just basically gives his perspective of what was going on <clears throat> back then in the thirties, in the late thirties. And um when um Superman actually just came out, as far as a comic book I think. Yeah. And how um it related to um yeah, it talks about action comics and how you know, um how that came about. And how that pretty much died, and then that's when the mass avengers started just you know taking over and everything. So, yeah, good excerpt from his perspective.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's it. <clears throat> that's pretty much it for issue one. Watch. Right.
1: Me. Yeah, tight first issue, and it really sets up the pl- um, sets everything up for you know what's to come. And it's just some you know some real grounded stuff. We we get a sense of. Um, this is a murder mystery, first and mm-hmm. foremost, you know, regardless of all the politics and, you know, everything, you know, as far as like all the mass adventuring and, you know, what's going on back then. This is first and foremost sets out who murdered the comedian. Yep. So that's that's basically what this first issue is telling us about. There are different um, elements that go that that's going into it and different people that are involved. But we are about to find out what's going on.
0: Yep. And that we're gonna find out that you know the comedian's murder is tied into this game of world brinksmanship that we're watching Richard Nixon play
1: <laughs> right
0: oh yeah, right. Richard Nixon's the president guys <laughs> it's not it's a different timeline
1: and it spreads um far and far far a few I mean it spreads far and beyond, so mm-hmm. you know Nixon gets elected to a third term. We'll find out how that happened, you know over and over
0: <laughs> Richard Nixon's back again
1: okay, so um um we thank you guys for you know um going with us on this first episode and um you know we'll be back um to do the um the next
0: the next chapter well first let's direct him back to our email address
1: let's do that yeah let's um you know we're going back to the um you know email address um watching watchman and nerdcyclopedia.com
0: our own domain that's how you know we're legit
1: we are so legitimate (laughs) (laughs) follow us on different social media platforms at um nerdcyclopedia and um you know just uh just just give us um the five stars like scott said and you know if you don't
0: I'm going to give you the business oh, and man, well I let me do a brief description of what the business is. It's cold <laughs> and it's dark and it's going to last the rest of your life. Heartless. Heartless business.
1: <laughs> All right guys, see you when we see ya.
0: Thanks for watching with us.